Well, hi, neighbor. Welcome back. I am glad to see you. I'm glad you're listening. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, Today, we are talking about... It's going to be actually a little bit more instructive in some ways and with a little bit less narration. So there's not going to be many of these episodes, you all, because I'm assuming that anyone listening has been doing this longer and is way better at it than I am. But I'm just using this as a way to do narration, think through my thoughts, and just put it out there as this is a product of someone's experience, and I'm probably just foolish enough to put it out on the internet. So, thanks for joining again. I, to begin with, have two questions that aren't really related, but kind of related. My first question for you all to answer is, has anyone ever done a session of picture study at a museum? Possibly with a group or just with your own brood of young ones or tutored people. Uh, This thought has crossed my mind a couple times because I wonder if Mason would have done this really like on a museum trip taking kids out to a museum and to do a picture study with the actual painting right in front of them how cool would that be and and so I think I've I lost an opportunity this time around because we were studying Winslow Homer the American painter. And we have one of those in our collection here at our local museum in my neck of the woods. So, I mean, maybe not a missed opportunity because we were just starting out. I really didn't know what I was doing and I still don't. However, I think that could have been a neat thing to concretely show them here is this actual thing. This is not just a photocopy of something we're looking at. You you totally get the context of how large it is and you can see the surface of it and what medium it is. So what are your thoughts on that? Second question is, how long are your summer breaks? And do you even take a summer break? Some people don't. So that's probably a complicated question because I think the standard is to do a 12-week term exam week. Um, And I'm sure I've seen that somewhere and I'm sure I actually know the answer. However, I have forgotten. Hashtag summer break. I know of some families that just, they do school year round. Maybe they take longer breaks or maybe they take a month off or something. What are your thoughts after summer break? And how does that go for your family going into a new school year? Something I wondered was, is there a little bit of 
tiredness from your children after a break and going into things right away? Do you take a half week first? Do you just start in full swing of a full week, full curriculum, everything? I'm curious. What do you do? How has it gone? Those are my questions. I'm learning. So thank you for responding to those. And thanks for being here next to me. I'll share little things I've learned with nature journaling specifically in this episode. Yesterday we were out and we were out for a walk, but I brought all my paints and my sketchbook and I was planning on, I was premeditating a thing I wanted to draw that we had found the day before. So there's this really beautiful wild grapevine growing over a fence in one of my neighbor's yards and it's overgrowing out into the park area from their backyard. So we kind of looked at them all summer and there's a nearby mulberry tree. So we were over at that tree a lot, harvesting from that and enjoying those. And so we'd take a little trip over to the growing grapes and all summer they were pretty small and uh, green. So yesterday my son, my four-year-old son came over and said, I was feeding some grapes to some ants on the ground. And I think I just went over there and then I looked at what he was talking about and the grapes were different colors. They were dark blue. So we picked up the vine and we kind of looked underneath. We shook it a little bit to get some of the bugs out. And lo and behold, there were about 10 bunches, 11 bunches of small, tiny blue grapes. And I thought, this is really exciting. We've been waiting for these to ripen. So I decided I would take a thing of them and do a little nature journal entry. One thing I'll say is that I usually like to draw the thing in its natural context so I won't pick it. I've been just doing it from where it is naturally occurring but this time it was taking some work to lift up that vine and to even get at them underneath so I did end up cutting a bunch off and I took it over to the nearby playground equipment and decided to sit down on the playground surface and prop my notebook up prop my paints up and then I rested my grapes on the left side of the page that was blank because it was the back side of the last um, journal entry. And then I was going to do my drawing on the fresh sheet on the right. And I think that's fine because of, I just don't know how I would be able to draw those grapes. They were hidden under a huge, like overgrown part of this vine. I don't know how I would have been able to draw them without picking them first. So I guess try it both ways or just use common sense with the the subject you want to draw. So I set the grapes up on the left side and what I was to be drawing was going to be on the right side of the page. And I 
think what I wanted to share with you was just some, maybe some things that would keep people away from going out if they're thinking about it and they start thinking in their mind like, oh, there's gonna, it's going to be hot or there's going to be some bugs. I, I'm not ready for this. I don't know where all my things are. I'll just encourage you with some things that have helped us. What I have noticed is that the drawings that I am doing in the field have to be really short. So if I can give myself a short amount of time, 10 or 15 minutes, and you could even go as far as timing that time, it is nice because it gives you a certain amount of time to think about what what all you want to include in this drawing and then be able to complete it with some sort of cohesiveness and with it making sense. So that would be the first piece of advice. Do a short amount of time and then and then you're also not obsessing about it and spending too much time getting things right because these nature journal entries are really supposed to be mostly narrative and second of all include necessary illustrations and when you're in the field you're drawing from life and so it's going to have some visual energy to it that tells you that this was growing in a field uh the wind was blowing the sun was shining on it it has a context around it and it is still living if you have not picked it or plucked it or harvested it so it really does matter in a drawing you can tell that you have picked something and it's now essentially dead and you're drawing it versus something just still growing out in nature so there's a difference there and I'm not saying one is right and one is wrong it's just I guess the point with the nature journaling is to discover more about that thing and to carefully observe it and so probably has more to do with capturing its whole ecology around it and there's my idea on that so I'll just go with that for nature journaling and I think as much as I can I would like to try to do my drawings in the field without plucking the thing and setting aside a small amount of time I think gives you better focus as we already know in Charlotte Mason education that small time limits on lessons are best because they do promote attention to the thing at hand and so therefore I think that it could promote better focus on your subject and better accuracy in your drawing. Now I will talk about a little bit of materials that I'm using right now. So this is not prescriptive, it's descriptive of what I have going right now. I right now am using Grumbacher brand watercolor, Academy watercolor paints. 
I have a set that's called the artist's sketchbox set number 20 backslash 12. I like them a lot. They're very rich colors. They might be different than what you are used to using if you are using something that is in a dried form in a little like a tin or an already made palette. These are fresh, still wet watercolor paints, so they're very concentrated and they come in a tube. So you have each of your colors that come in a tube. You squeeze a small amount onto the, in this case, it's a provided palette with little wells for each color. You're, so you're using a very small amount. However, I want to talk a little bit about the watercolor pen that I'm using. I, this was a little idea from John Muir Laws. I looked up his, I don't know if it's his nature journaling. I, I don't remember the title of the, the video series. He's giving a lecture outside and he's talking about the materials he uses and then he does some demos and instruction on some techniques that he uses but he talks about this tool this watercolor pen tool and if you hear the little sound in the background it's me getting it out it's a pentel it's a pack of three it i believe in this pack it came with a small medium and large tip brush and I think the small and the medium have been my favorite just because they seem like they're a little easier to get the finer detail things. But with all of the brushes, and he even agrees that they all snap to a very fine point. So if you get pretty practiced at using this tool, you can use it for what you need it for. They're awesome. They have a water reservoir on the back that screws onto the actual tip with the brush. So I think it, it pretty well reduces the amount of things you need to bring. Because if you think about it, you don't have to bring a glass jar of water or otherwise a jar of water to be washing out just a standalone brush. The water is contained in the pen. You're putting pigment on your brush, your clean brush, and you will you will be dissolving the paint a little bit with the water. So it's not as dark as the color that you're dipping into. Obviously, a little bit of water is mixing with it. Um, but every time you squeeze that well in the back, you're getting fresh water flowing out of the bristles. So cleaning it from color to color is simple because you just squeeze it and brush it against a dry paper towel and it cleans the brush. So going in between colors with this is really easy so quick so if i'm talking about you doing a quick 15 minute drawing this is going to be a tool that really helps you do that 
and think about all the stuff you're not going to have to bring if you bring along this Pentel tool. And I can link to this product in the show notes and the paints as well. And everything that I'm going to be talking about, I will make a note of that. So it, and it has a cap, so you're not stowing it with bristles exposed. I really like it a lot. So with this setup, the only thing I'm going to try differently sometime in the future is purchasing or, you know, possibly making, it depends on how much time and drive I have, but a travel kit would be nice. This is kind of an awkward, large box, large palette situation. And the travel fold out wells are really nice. They're tiny and compact. They fold up, but this is a little bit more doing with all the parts and the lid and everything. Pause. Now that I have tantalized you with my setup, my materials, paints, everything, and my subject of my drawing and how it was all going to go down, we're going to stop here for the day. And you'll get to hear about the ins and outs of that drawing and what I recommend for you in the field. So thanks for joining me today and we'll see you again very soon. Goodbye.